We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid Death. Are you thirsty? Parched? Do you like dark and eerie sinister names for your beverages? Then you'll love Liquid Death. Go to liquiddeath.com. Use the promo code BIGBLUE. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always, my co-host, Nick Pilato. Tonight, we're here to recap a Giants win. The first Giants win in quite some time over a month. They got back on the board with a massive win tonight. This is a big one because we knew what was at stake with this win. I think according to 538, they're 89% chance to make the playoffs. They would have dropped all the way into the 30s if they lost this game. It's, it was as, as close to a playoff game as it gets. On the road, they went up 14-3 with an insane 98-yard drive that chewed up eight, and a, 8 minutes and 30 seconds of clock, finishing a touchdown, included a fourth down and nine conversion. Then second half, not so great, but some huge plays by the defense, both on the final drive and then obviously on the drive before that to hold them to zero points with the strip sack from Dexter Lawrence. Two forced sack fumbles in a single game by the Giants, both recovered by the Giants. They also had a forced fumble on Gibson that they didn't recover, but they could have easily recovered. It was a bad bounce. This was, Nick, the formula they've had all year for winning games. When they were winning games early in the year, what was it? They destroyed and dominated the turnover battle. Right. The Giants almost said they had two turnovers in this game. Almost really should have been more than three because that interception McLeod dropped was as bad of a dropped interception you'll ever basically ever see. It's not like they had one ball on it, outstretched hands. It was like this. So is what it is. Thankfully, it didn't matter in the end. We got a little lucky with the defensive pass interference that wasn't called. That happens for both sides throughout the year. But this was their old formula, right? Big final drive running the football with Barkley. In this game, Nick, by the way, thought this stat was interesting that I saw from Next Gen Stats. Let's see if I can find it again. Saquon Barkley. Oh, doesn't look like I'm going to find it here. So let's just cycle through it. I believe it over here. Saquon Barkley gained five plus first downs over expected in this win. It was the most by any NFL running back in the game since Alvin Kamara's historic six touchdown performance on Christmas Day of 2020. So Yards over expected, first downs over expected, or basically when you're creating a first down on your own, independent of the blocking, independent of the defense, basically just you doing it all yourself. So he had a monster game. Uh, where, where do you even want to start here, Nick? This was an excellent game from the Giants. was a great game for the New York Giants, and I love the fact that you brought up the formula because this formula is a similar formula, actually, that Washington has been using as well. Protect sure. your football, pressure the quarterback, find ways to come up huge in really critical situations. And that's what the Giants did. But the Giants offense, and we can get into the offense, and we will. We love the fact that they've used more quick game, and it was effective. And you could see how just the cover four quarters type of look that Jack Del Rio was running, and we knew he was going to run, was vulnerable to those quick hitting passes. But Kayvon Thibodeau, he was the impetus to scoring here. That strip sack fumble for a touchdown in prime time. And I think he had like a halftime, like seven tackles, a bunch of them were for a loss. He literally stamped his name and cemented it as, look, I was a top five pick. I deserve to be a top five pick. Now, you and I, we've said this on the podcast plenty of times because Kayvon has taken some 
some arrows from from certain people because he hasn't been getting the sacks and things of that nature. Well, we know he was doing all the little things right. So I'm just so happy that he was able to have this moment and be such a critical part of this win because without Kayvon Thibodeau, the Giants probably don't win this game. And that is what top five picks are supposed to do for you. They're supposed to win you football games and come up big in critical spots. I wouldn't even say it's probably. I would say without Kayvon Thibodeau, they lose this football game. Kayvon Thibodeau single-handedly on his own, this was just one of his plays, he had many, single-handedly on his own, created seven points for the Giants. He forced a sack, he forced a fumble, he picked up a fumble, and then scooped it and scored. That's seven points they don't have. They don't win that football game without them, potentially. I mean, it would have been a tie game, whatever. They had, they had the missed extra point. They wouldn't have gone for it for two there. Washington probably. Yeah, there's so many so, things. Yeah, there's so many things, but it's basically a game-winning play. Then, he also had... 10 or 12 other plays where he had an impact on a play on the play, including not just the pressures, but the run game. He finished the game with 12 tackles, three tackles for loss, dude. That's insane number of TFLs. Like, that doesn't happen in a game. He's in the backfield and converting on those tackles for a tackle for loss. That's a negative gain for the offense, a sack of force, fumble, fumble recovery, and a touchdown. It was the first game since 1999, Nick, where a giants defender had at least 10 plus tackles, double digit tackles, a sack, and a touchdown in a single game. That's 1999 style. It reminded me in a lot of ways this game, because we'll talk about Thibodeau, who deserves it, because look, like you said, he showed tonight where the reason I, remember when I told you when we finally drafted, I'm like, I can't think of a player I wanted more, including Aiden Hutchinson. I did not want Aiden Hutchinson more. This is an example of why. I think Aiden Hutchinson's having a great year. He's been a little banged up. I haven't seen Aiden Hutchinson have a game like this. I haven't. And I don't think I don't think any single edge player has had a game like this. 12 tackles, three T TFLs, a sack, a fumble, recover for a touchdown. I mean, come on. I haven't seen that from anyone. And that's the type of game. And the funny thing is, like, he didn't have as, as much stats, but the tape against Dallas was just as good, if not better. Also a primetime game. So he's showing up in primetime. I think if you take it a step further, though, Nick, you really look at this game. Amazing drive by the Giants, right? Game-changing drive up 7-3 to make it 14-3 with that 98-yard drive, shoot up eight and a half minutes. They converted a fourth and nine. Great call by Dable, who felt like, look, he hasn't made a call like this since week one against Tennessee when he went for the two. Now he said, going for it on fourth and nine, I never saw that coming. I really thought he was double-tricking them and taking the timeout so then he could try to draw the offsides and get a free play, making it seem like, why would we ever call it? We just took the timeout and be like, hey, if we take the delay of game, fine, we'll punt it. I even wanted him to punt it there. You know, I'm not a big punter, but I wanted him to punt it there because I was like, yeah, it's a that type of game. Fourth and nine, just punt it, whatever. We'll take seven, three and a half. He went for it. And then not only did they convert that, they later scored on that drive. So they didn't even have to take just three out of it. They got, that's another thing that changed this game. But really besides that, Nick, this was a game that was basically won in an old school, like our uh, 06 range type giants, 05, 06 range, thinking about the time, you know what game comes to mind? That OC six sack game against Donovan McNabb. This to me was a game that was almost purely won by one unit. And that unit is a defensive front. Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari, Leonard Williams, and Dexter Lawrence basically won this game single-handedly in my mind. Not single-handed. Look, Jones had a great game. Barkley had a great game. They made a few big plays and had a, one amazing drive and a couple solid drives for field goals. But... This was mostly the defensive line and mostly not even just the defensive line, mostly the pass rush, right? Like they made it hell for Heineke all day. Two forced fumbles, two recoveries on those two sacks. So you can end it right there. The two forced yeah. fumbles. You had your first points on the board was a forced fumble. And then your next forced fumble was while Washington was driving to score a game tying touchdown. If right. they got the two point conversion, like that is huge. That doesn't happen all that often. And like this New York Giants pass rush, we knew it was going to be exciting, but this was essentially a playoff game. And they won this football game for the Giants. And I like the fact that the offense, like we said, incorporated quick game, right? That's what we wanted. Attack the off leverage. Make them pay. Take what is there. Right. Felt like Daniel Jones was decisive in doing so. He was hitting the receivers. He was on time. All that was great. But if we had to point to the catalyst of this victory, it's Kayvon Thibodeau, Dexter Lawrence, Aziz Ojolari. And guess what? Those people are- And Leonard Williams. And Leonard Williams. And, but I, I wanted to name those three specifically yeah. because those three are going to be with the Giants for quite some time. True. That's a great point. Right. Exactly. Leonard, maybe not. But those three, yeah. they're going to be we'll here see what for happens a while. With Leonard. But Leonard, for sure, for next year, I think at, at the very least, um, just based on the structure of that contract. But you're right. Those three, and then you find another one. You can you can find, you know, you'll have more yeah. le leeway to, to, to figure out how to find the other one. But you're right. That's the reason to get excited. It's not just about the future. I know we're not at that point yet. We shouldn't be at that point yet. But if things start to look a little bit better on offense, we start to get the run game going like we did a little bit tonight, 
better things start to happen in the past game. If we're going to make noise in the playoffs, what travels in December? It's the defensive line and defensive front. And we have a really, really strong defensive front right now that, to me, looked better than Washington's defensive front in this game. I felt like the Giants did a pretty good job in pass pro tonight, considering the matchup. I was like stunned to see the pass protection in this game, given that matchup and given how it looked two weeks ago. A lot of quick game, and that's why. That was one yep. of the reasons why we wanted to. There wasn't that many long They picked shots, up the fourth you know? and nine, though. They picked, or not the they fourth did. and nine. They picked up the... Well, they the, did pick up a fourth and nine. They picked up a fourth and nine. That was yeah. he was getting hit with that one, or he was getting hit on the third and six. Never mind. The fourth and nine they picked up. Then they picked up that third and long later in the game where it was just nobody open. There was like two verts and the underneath the Barkley or whatever. But that was a great blitz pickup on that one. We could talk about the offensive line and, you know, Ben Bredesen coming back makes you think maybe that was the reason why. We'll have to wait and see what the yeah. takes. I know that the coaching staff, they were cycling Nick Gates in. It wasn't like Nick Gates took a backseat purely to yeah. Ben Bredesen. They were just recycling them in. But man, they look so much better than they did in week 13. Somehow. <laughs> it was only two weeks ago. I don't know really you know, know what even on the duo blocks and in yeah, blocking up front and Saquon looked like it was like week one Saquon. Some of know, those spins yeah. in the contact that he had, they were ridiculous, man. It was I so know. well timed. I know that's bared out in the stat that I said earlier with the five yards, uh, five plus runs over first downs over expected from Saquon again, best since 2020 with Camara. And, you know, I, everybody's been on Mike Kafka. I get it. I kind of feel like he's been hamstrung by the injuries and the situation on the O-line, the receivers, but his, his when he went to the gun and ran those draws, I was like loving that crap. Because if you look at how the box looked before those snaps, like Washington had like four guys on the line of scrimmage and like two dudes in the box and two safeties over the top. Don't run the ball at a single like under center where they know it's coming. Go to the gun. Maybe make them think like you're going to run more quick game. And then you just hand the ball to Barkley. And obviously those two spins on two of those three runs were like epic and made the, you know, created the extra yardage on those plays. You want to know one of the best things about this win? Not the possible playoff right. uh, appearance. It's the fact that I don't have to sit here and bring up Nick Mullen's name every time the Giants are playing a primetime game because that yeah. was the last time they freaking won in primetime was yeah. 2018 against a 2-7 wow. 49ers. Easy. 2018 was the last time they won any primetime game. If we're going to be real too, man, a lot of people want to assign that to Daniel Jones and he should bear some blame for that, but... A lot of those games, Daniel Jones had one, and then was some like ridiculously like stupid thing that yes. happened that was completely out of the kid's control. Yeah, I don't think really. I mean, we'd have to go back and look at him, but not too many of them, in my opinion, were Daniel Jones performance. Some of them he played really well. Dallas, even this year, they lost. I thought he had a really good game considering the pass rush. Obviously, Washington last year where they had the Dexter Lawrence. Some, off. some of them go back to Eli Manning too. Yeah, like it was a crazy. Like seven. Like the Giants were up seventeen to three against Philly in twenty nineteen. They came back and won in overtime. There was the Evan Ingram drop on Thursday night football against the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, there, there was obviously the Kansas City Chiefs, O'Shane's and Menez offsides, Dexter Lawrence offsides yep. from Washington in week two last just year. There were good ways to lose games. The Buccaneers one was really bad on Jones. The Buccaneers though. was the one I yeah. was thinking was bad on Jones, but that's because he played a pretty damn bad game for like four quarters and had a wild, no, horrible game. Then he had like a wildly good fourth quarter drive. It was kind of like one play where he scrambled around, hit Slayton on the comeback and Slayton, yeah. but then <laughs> obviously not seeing Deion Lewis and throwing that ball early, like waiting so long to make that throw, patting, burping the baby. It's okay. We're past that. And I agree for the most part with you anyway on that. There's certainly not on Jones and he played really well tonight given you know what was there for him I thought the one drive he had that 98 yard drive he was cooking that was the he was in command the ball was coming out fast out of his hand he was op like like we've said on the past podcast let this man operate quick game this is what he did at Duke it's what he did for the most part with Shermer I know Garrett it didn't work out as well with Garrett but that's because you're running all quick game all the time you're obviously not going to it's not going to work if you run it all the time, but mix it in a little more like we saw tonight and some better things happen, especially on that one drive where he was cooking. We didn't see as much play action either in this game, which yes. has been the MO of the Giants point. passing attack. But the first passing oh, wow. play of that long drive with the Giants backed up way on their own end after like a two yard run by Saquon Barkley or something was a play action rollout. Open. And he found Nick Vanette and that yeah. went for like 15 yards and it really started that drive. Shock that was open, Nick, given like what we've put on tape. I just exactly. felt like going into this game for the rest of the season, I've in my head, I was just decided like, we're really never going to be able to run that play again because there's just gonna be <laughs> someone every single time yeah. waiting on it. Uh, but you know, it worked that time. And I want to give credit before, you know, I, cause this is going to get lost in the mix, but it really did. He really deserves it. Graham Gano deserves a lot of credit, man. Cause when you put that guy on the field from 50 plus in these huge spots, 
bad win game, yada, yada. We already saw Joey Sly miss like a 46-yard extra point. And this guy just comes in and sinks kicks. Even the last one he made, it was a bad snap. Great hold, actually, by, by the Scottish Hammer because, like, it was not a great snap. But that usually can throw off the timing of the kick, push it what you push it one way or you hook it, whatever it may be. No, he just sinks it again. He just comes out there and sinks field goals over and over from tough distances. And, like, they're the reason, like, it's not the reason we won. Obviously, Thibodeau on the D-line is the main reason. But it's a big part of the win right there. This dude just sinking kicks over and over. I would expect him to sink those kicks, as everyone would. I just wish 50. he won a 57-yarder in week 13, oh, yeah, but I'm not yeah, going to sit there and hold that against close. him. Yeah, it was a yeah. close kick, and it got him into a good spot. But Specials pissed me off, though, in this game, though, too. I mean, there was the one bro. return by Antonio Gibson that gave him the football like the 43 or something sure. ridiculous. Yeah. And then there was the one play where Dax Milne looked like William Defoe in platoon when he got killed, when he was like down on his knees, you know, and he got like just bent backwards and, and the ball Milne. tweaked out a little late. Zach Wilson's favorite target back in his BYU days, Zach uh, Zach Milne. But um, you, do yeah, you know especially- the cheese? Man? Do you know the cheese made between Zach Wilson and 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 Milne? Oh, is that the mom that he that he messed around with? No, Zach? no. I think uh, his ex girlfriend Zach Wilson. This is the Kardashian hour, everyone. His ex girlfriend is now dating Dax. Okay, <laughs> and now he's on the Washington football team. But yeah, I mean, look, this was such an interesting way to win a game to me because, like I said earlier, and I stand by, I really didn't feel like a single unit played a consistent game except for the pass rush, and it was like a dominant game from them with two dominant game changing plays that changed everything. The pass coverage, dude, it is a disaster right now. They desperately need a Dory Jackson back. I and agree, but I actually thought like they were they were actually good in this game up until a okay. couple plays down the stretch. And we'll have to confirm it all in the All-22. Mm-hmm. Obviously, having a pass rush as effective as the Giants' pass rush was in this game is going to make your job a little bit easier. But I felt like they were physical and they were pretty sticky in coverage against some one of the better 11 personnel teams in the league in terms of just personnel, not the quarterback included even though taylor heineke he had a couple plays dan that were just rips like to the sideline i know and I was, and i'm surprising just like, outside the number rips from him he had I a know. much better game in this game than he did the first game against giants much he had the first like ball where he tried to hit the seam and he like overthrew it it was high it was floaty i was like yeah that's the heineke i know and then yeah. and then he had the one where pinnock made a play where it was still a little bit of floatiness a little bit of high but then outside of that, he had some outside the number rips. He had some big time throws, the downfield throws, some big throws in this game for sure. But the only blown coverage that's coming to my mind right Samuel. now was the Samuel one that was deep. But yeah, other than it's that, not as much blown coverage, just like not making like the the dots in play. I guess you can just credit the receiver. Is that is that fair? Is that where you're going with it? And I, I mean, like, it's like Jason Pinnock one on one against Jahan Dotson. I'm of the belief that Jahan Dotson is like a really good wide receiver. Yes, right. Yeah. So like. I think he was in good coverage. It was just a really good adjustment by, uh, and maybe not the best play on the football by Penn. Yeah. And McLeod, so McLeod not picking that was rough for me. I mean, like, dude, yeah. I don't know he's how in great he position there. He's in, great, he's in great position great there, position. though. I'll tell you this, though, man. And I know, like, the Giants, they're a limited team right now, and they have an inside track at the playoffs. Gonna get Adore Jackson back. That's the thing. You, you might get Xavier McKinney back, right? You, you probably will, hopefully. I think more likely a Dory than Xavier, but hopefully both. That secondary is going to look mighty nice. And oh even if you have like guys like Nick McLeod playing, you know, half the snaps that they're playing now, like Nick McLeod's a solid football player. Like you're not going to have to rely on him to guard AJ Brown yes. for like 60 snaps in a game. That's going right. to really help that defense, especially if the pass rush is playing the way they played today. Completely agree with you. And I want to talk about another player then because there will be, you know, obviously reinforcements coming. In the secondary, we hope with a Dory and about twenty one. Talk about twenty one to talk about twenty one because one yeah. thing that we don't have much change going on from an injury standpoint, as far as what's coming back, is at that second level with those linebackers. It's basically been what it is. But tonight we saw a lot more box play from Landon Collins. And what happens? You activate him. You say, "Look, this is your old team, Washington. They recite, you know, they dumped you. Here's your chance to play for them." What does he do? He comes up with an incredible stop at the line of scrimmage on a second or a first and ten for nothing. Set up a second and ten. Then on that third and short, he is the dude that makes that third and short happen with his run stop. And one thing that I've always said about Landon Collins that remains the same, and sorry, my computer crapped out for a second, that remains the same is he is one of the surest tacklers that I've seen on the Giants over the last decade. And even though he's older now and not the same player, and obviously I know people are going to say, you don't want him in coverage. I get it. He's still probably the surest tackler they have at the second level, right? Jalen Smith, Micah McFadden, whatever, take routers inactive. Like this dude, can tackle he 
he, I don't know. It's form. His form is great. He puts a lot. I don't, you can probably explain it better than I can, but he's always been a great short tackler and that defense needs that. We don't really have that at the second level. The one play, and I don't remember exactly which play it was, but he flew up and he filled right off the like backside of a down block, and he was so square and low to the ball carrier, yep. and he just wrapped him up and tackled him at the line of That's scrimmage. What it like, is. dude, that is it's landing square and off. low. Yep, he's square and low. I don't really know what took so long and why he's kind of been inactive in the last couple of games because I love to roll with him and Tony Jefferson and I get it. It's going to be matchup dependent. Some of these more power run based teams like Washington, it might not be as wise to have both of those guys active. You might want more beef in the box, but when your linebackers are as susceptible to, to being exposed by eye candy counter runs and things of that nature, I think I would sacrifice, you know, 10, 15 pounds for somebody who was going to be able to actually key and diagnose their run keys and come down and fill, which Landon Collins can do, man. Completely agree with you. I think at this point, I've seen enough. I want Landon Collins active for the rest of the season. I don't want this practice squad stuff. I don't want this to be a, oh, here we go. We're throwing you a bone against your old team. No, I want them to watch the tape and we'll see it too. Like maybe there are some things we'll see. We're like, ah, he's out of position or he did something to piss off a coach that might we look at, that we may look at and be like, Okay, maybe then that they won't, you know, they'll scale back. But as far as what I saw on the broadcast, dude, and maybe it'll be, we'll see if it's confirmed by the film, but that's a guy who should be on their defense and active every single week. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sports, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, win $100. Download Bet Win. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Be on the lookout for the WinBet Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. During WinBet Win Hour, marquee games of the week will have better odds on WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. I was running low on some groceries, so naturally, I went to a store that sells said groceries to look for my refreshments. There I was in the beverage aisle, and I saw these tall boys of what I originally thought was beer, but it was actually in the bottled water section, and it was mountain spring water from the Alps, and it was called Liquid Death. And I thought to myself, do I want to try this beverage that is named Liquid Death because I hear it brutally murders your thirst, and their recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles? 
and they also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Those are some pretty cool causes. So I bought myself some liquid death, and I enjoyed it. I was parched, and then I drank it, so I was not. So if you want to try some of this liquid death, go get liquid death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. That's liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. I think so too. I definitely do. And uh, I'm excited to see what they're going to do against Minnesota. I mean, Minnesota is a team that they can have a power, they can have a potent rushing attack, not a power rushing attack. They can have a potent rushing attack that's zone based, which plays into the hands of the New York Giants, in my opinion. Not that they won't run some power gap, but they're much more of a zone based team under Kevin O'Connell, which comes from the Sean McVay coaching tree. Yep. But you know, they are prolific at passing the football. And I really don't know. And I know this isn't a preview pop for the Vikings, but I don't know what the Giants are going to do about Justin Jefferson next week. Yeah, I can't wait to we're going to have a preview pod. Um, I have a really good special guest coming on. I haven't even told you about this, Nick, but he's amazing at X and O's. You guys are going to love him. It's going to be like a Schofield type pod, just constant, you know, scheme film X's and O's type talk. So I'm excited for that. We'll talk about that as we get to it. There's a lot I want to talk about when it comes to the Vikings. I, I want to keep it on this game, but it is now like I was thinking about this, Nick. I didn't want to get too greedy, but. I was thinking if we were going to beat the Washington football team. And I remember I said earlier this week on our mailbag, I was pretty confident we would win this game. I just had a feeling after the first game, we were the better team, but it's now even a little more, like I'm a little more sad and bitter that the Colts didn't just hang on to that stupid game because it would have dropped the Vikings back down. And I, I I really want to play the Vikings in round one, not the 49ers to me. Like when you watch those two teams, it's like a night and day. We're talking about like a three tier drop between the 49ers and Vikings right now. So hopefully the giants can just beat the Vikings next week, which is highly possible. In my opinion, the Vikings are not a good football team. They lost to the lions and then miracle won a game against the Colts, which is mostly just bad coaching by Jeff Saturday, in my opinion. And that's leading to just like an epic collapse, like where you're just like, Oh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing, but if they can win that game, because now I'm starting to think like playoff matchups, because now they're at 89% or 90% playoffs. And, you're damn right. I'd rather play the Vikings. I know you got to beat all these teams anyway to get through the Super Bowl, but I'd like to have a first round matchup where it's not like oh, we're going to San Fran to play that freaking team right now, the way they look, yeah. you know? And so we'll see what happens there. But I want to say something that we've talked about earlier this season when the Giants were six and one. We felt, and then we confirmed it. We felt after the broadcast, we confirmed it on the film. Basically, every time, Nick, we felt the same way that the Giants had a clear coaching edge. It hasn't felt that way for a really long time to me. Tonight, it felt like the Giants had a clear coaching edge. Now, some of that was, I thought Ron Rivera did a horrific job coaching this game. Scott Turner, great job. They're off the scoring. He came up with the drive where you texted me, and we, we were thinking at the same time, like, wow, that was a good drive, the, the, their, you know, their touchdown drive. It was right out of, yeah, you're talking about yeah. the drive right out of halftime? Right out of halftime. It was they, just like, they had an answer for everything Wink Martindale was doing. Everything Wink wanted to do, and that's all on Scott Turner. But yeah. overall coaching from Ron Rivera I thought was horrific in so many spots. I thought they took the ball to Brian Robinson's hands when they never should have at the end of that game. Never should have stopped running the ball. We had no answer for the run. Why would you stop running the ball? That was horrific. I thought there were other just like weird decisions he made throughout the game and just moments where I was just like the two-point conversion. I just thought that was a little unnecessary at the time too. Just like spots. And I felt on the flip side, Dable gives us the fourth down ballsy call that converts and then turns what would have been zero points into seven points. He get. Uh, I thought Kafka, those those shotgun runs to Barkley, some of the play calls in general going to more quick game, things of that nature. Wink had some calls that I loved on those third downs, and obviously the pass rush helped as well. But this was the game, Nick, where I felt like there it was. This is why I love this staff. This is why I have so much hope about this staff moving forward with the better personnel because they were the better coach team by far in this game to me. They were. I, I would agree with that. I think Kafka coached one hell of a game. I think some of the pressures that were designed by Wink Martindale, it wasn't... It wasn't too greedy, you know. There yeah, were times yeah, that's a good way to say yeah. it. <laughs> there were times where he he got his free rushers, which Wink Martindale is going to do. And then there were other times where he loaded the line of scrimmage up, you know, it's a third and six or whatever the situation would be. And then he would bail, but he would send four, but he would right. twist them. And then what would happen? Someone would come free eventually and harass Taylor Heineke. And I gotta say, man, Heineke, credit to the kid, man, because there are times where he's in the pocket and I'm like, oh, this dude's dead. And somehow he's able yeah. to like step up and step around and like get things in the pocket. Yep. Yeah. But I, I definitely feel that same way. And it's good to feel that way because I haven't felt that. I didn't definitely didn't feel that way against Washington the two first weeks time, ago. Right. 
obviously not against Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So the Giants coaching staff went back to the drawing board yes. and they were Dustin. like, how, and what did we say? We're like, dude, I, I knew Kafka was going to go with a more quick game approach. It was just because of, of how Washington plays defense, right? If you want to align seven, eight yards back and drop into quarters, and that's your primary coverage, I'm going to take advantage of that. And that's exactly what we saw. And I was glad. And you brought up like the halfback draws, the quarterback draws and things of that nature. That's another thing that I felt like he did a good job. It's second yep. and long. We don't want those single back second and long runs that get stuffed at the line of scrimmage, but spread everybody out. Use empty, use every inch of the field, have two receivers aligned outside the numbers make washington spread out then run a draw quarterback draw halfback draw and i felt like the giants did a good job with that yeah they threw the bubble out of that you know zone read look that we've been calling for weeks and months we've wanted to see them throw that they find it was a hot throw too and it was it was a hot throw and that's jones that's on jones and he's read and we've been saying like alert read that you can throw the bubble out there and i'm glad that they finally threw that because it was like an 18 yard gain to james or 16 it was a big chunk play for this offense that's like 60 16 and 18 for this <laughs> offense is like 60 these days say it, say it it's the truth it's okay we're good but um james had a really good game he caught these like tough balls that were low but they were low because they had to be that was good ball placement the low was the best place to put it to not throw it into the defender their tight window throws but he still has to catch them he still has to come down with them right he had some really good catch in this game james which was surprising to me i've been a little low on james lately even had a nice punt return but that's something this team never gets so i thought james was kind of one of the unsung heroes i'm sh- i'm not sure of it but i think when we do the film for the offense i'll be leaning toward him as likely my unsung hero but we'll see what happens there yeah, we'll have to see some of those offensive linemen. We get a much yeah. better look once we witness the All-22. But I'm happy about this game, though, man. I was not as optimistic as you were heading into this game, and it was great to see the New York Giants regroup because they've been down for a very long time. Like There has not been a lot of positivity surrounding the Giants program. It's like, yeah. yeah, you beat Houston since the bye week. Cool, everyone beats Houston, like whatever. Right. But. Now they're able to go on the road and win what is essentially what was essentially a playoff game. I think that uh, says something about the coaching. It says something about a lot of these back end guys who probably wouldn't be playing on other NFL rosters. And the Giants <laughs> yeah. have quite a few of them starting right now. Yes, they have quite a few of them starting. And yet tonight they were minimized in a lot of ways. They weren't. There were some big throws made, like you said, on Pinnock. That's a tough spot for Pinnock, obviously. You know, the drop from McLeod, not great. That should be an interception. The linebackers, we all saw what happened in the run game. Washington's just chewing up run yards at will. In that game, that was ugly to watch. When your run defense is that bad, I'm not here, I'm not standing here on a soapbox and saying linebackers are so important that I that I think you should go all in to get them, right? Because I understand like running the football only has such a ceiling in the NFL. But take away like the importance and the expected value and the you know expected points added side of it, Nick, and just think about like watching it as a fan or an analyst. It is like one of the most like debilitating feelings to watch a team that can't stop the run. It's such a rough feeling. You know, you're just like, they're constantly running the ball. They're chewing up yards. You're getting him into second. There were multiple times the Giants would get him into second and 10, then 12 yard run, four yard run. Like, dude, second and 10 is an obvious rundown. You got to make, get some penetration and make those stops. And Thibodeau to his credit had three tackles for losses. Like he was almost single-handedly helping this run defense make plays. Him and Collins basically were the splash run play guys. Wasn't, we'll see on film, but it didn't feel like a good game for the traditional linebackers. The frustrating part of the Giants' inability to stop the run game is the fact that it's the same thing and yeah. they can't stop it. You know, right. it's it's counter, which it's shows counter. it's not a schematic thing; it's a personnel issue. It's a it's a big personnel issue, and I think the Giants are a hundred percent tracking on it. You, you could see how the Giants rally every time you see that backside guard pull, and sometimes it just doesn't matter. Sometimes yeah. the edges get washed. I'm not sure if they're trying to you know squeeze and replace or what exactly they're doing, but. The Giants are aware of their issues, but every other team is. And for whatever reason, from a personnel standpoint, the Giants have not done a good job fitting the counter runs. More of a reason why to keep Collins on the field. He can potentially help. Maybe he can't. Maybe he can't. It doesn't, we don't know yet, but like leave him on the field. Let him try to be an answer because you don't have it's either that or you just you go drop back to the drawing board and you do something like that, right? Or you just say, nah, we'll just keep trotting out McFadden and, and Jalen Smith and hopefully they get better at this. But no, they haven't been. And they're like you said, they're tracking on it now. This is like it's it's the Giants aren't idiots. They've been teams have been running these kinds of runs on them for months for a, over a month now. But if you're not good at personnel, if you don't have the personnel to stop it, you're never going to stop it unless you maybe try to change the personnel. 
I feel like both these teams, it's like funny. When, when we watch the all 22, we're going to see both these teams love to have tight front five guys on the yeah. line of scrimmage. Giants did an excellent job passing against that, against the off leverage, like we said. And then, uh, like, that's one reason why I feel like they love running counter against the Giants, too, because you can wash down Dexter Lawrence, yeah. Leonard Williams, and whoever that other defensive lineman is, and then isolate that edge. And that edge, sometimes, a lot of the times when it's Kayvon Thibodeau, but sometimes, whoever it is, they do an okay job keeping it narrow, but you need those linebackers to be there. You need that safety yes. to come down. And I always just feel like the Giants just are always a tick behind. And we'll and, see uh, if that happens against Minnesota. I'll be so happy if Minnesota doesn't want to do that because that's the best. Like, if you are playing a team that is Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, just wash them down. Don't try to beat them with zone. Like, because then they could actually make plays on the, you know, they can make plays on it. And we'll see what happens against Minnesota. I'll be curious to see if they're like, are that in touch with it. Because the other thing is like, at least from an offensive play calling standpoint, I would imagine Nick, and I'm curious to get your take on this. If you're running outside zone all year as an offense, and then you try to like go into a game and say to your guys, like we're going to run some counter, a lot of counter. It's probably not really a good idea because you haven't been practicing it all year. The timing is probably not great with the offensive line, especially if you have any injuries on your O line and you're moving guys in and out. So I wonder if that was is even something that Minnesota will to try to do. I'm sure they have had it in their playbook. I mean, it's a yeah. pretty simple play concept but yeah we'll have to wait and see exactly how yeah. it's executed and they've had injuries along their offensive line no darius yeah, yeah. play, played in this last one but i'm pretty sure garrett bradbury did not so we'll have to see how healthy they are but in terms of this game against washington man this is uh this is gratifying but it's a shorter turnaround i mean the giants have to fly back up to jersey short flight then they True. have to go to minnesota and they play on saturday so it's somewhat of a short week it's not you know egregiously it short is because they played somewhat. sunday night and minnesota got the saturday that's a little edge for them. But to be fair, Washington is coming off a bye and had two weeks of repair, and they still won this game. So there is that going for the Giants, uh, obviously. I thought this was an interesting comment by Ben Solak. Uh, for those who don't know, he's like a film guy on Twitter. I think he works for The Ringer now. There hasn't been much buzz lately about Brian Dable as head coach of the year. I think it's kind of completely tailed off. A lot of people are way off it. But he said Brian Dable won't get coach of the year on the wins above expectation argument. He says Sirianni and Campbell win that one. He says, or the this offense is sick argument. He gives that one to McDaniel. But he says, man, every time I watch them string together drives with Richie James and Isaiah Hodgins, I'm more impressed. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the personnel that we've been talking about. And that's a nod to Daniel Jones as well. I mean, he doesn't say it right there. This is him uh, advocating for Brian Dable, obviously. But, you know, Jones is dealing with those same guys too, right? Richie James, Isaiah Hodgins. He's making big time throws. Jones also added really big the key yards with his legs in this game. I thought some of those scrambles forward that one got him into field goal range that I don't think they would have been in. Otherwise another one, I can't remember that I think was the one just before the fumble, which then created like a first down a play later when they did the sneak. Um, I will say this though, Nick, and I tweeted this tonight. We are such a team that man, when we get into second and short, second and two, second and one, second and three, we're just always going for that first down, man. And we're just taking him. We've been successful on it, but Man, if you go 15 weeks only going for the first down in those situations and then you take a shot, it's probably going to be there. You're at least going to probably have a great opportunity to take a shot downfield because you've put 14 weeks of film out there of never taking a shot on those situations. So I'd love to see Kafka dive into it. I know there's a reason for not doing it. Look, they want to stick so close to the formula until they have to move off their formula. Nick, they don't want to this staff. Like they're like, we see our personnel. We know how limited we are at receiver. We know how limited we are in pass pro. Now on defense, limited personnel-wise, we just want to do the no-turnover game, keep the ball for a lot of the game, stop them in the red zone when we're on defense to keep them to kicking field goals and win a game like this. I get that. But you could still take a shot every nine once in a while. And I remember earlier this season, you talked about this a lot, and you praised this a lot, Nick. Kafka on you know, either quick turnover situations or like short field types, of, like you know, change of change of possession. To, sudden or, change, yeah. Sudden change situations, that's the one. He was taking more shots and he was doing more interesting things. Now it's kind of resorted to, okay, we'll run the sneak and pick it up or we'll hand it off. So just something to keep on the radar. I'd love to see him take a shot at some point there. Yeah. Sudden changes are more just like, you know, strip fumbles and, and, yep. and like interceptions and stuff that your defense comes up with. The Giants aren't really a big interception type team, but speaking on Mike Kafka, man, the, the play with Saquon Barkley that got him the touchdown, the wildcat with Daniel Jones. Yeah, we went back to the cat. We, we went back to the cat. Yeah, we were talking about going back to the cat. Glad we went back to the cat. But Mike Kafka, he's done this all year. He's had these very creative ideas in the red zone to put Daniel Jones and the offense in general in a position 
of success. And that's something that we was probably one of our biggest criticisms of Jason Garrett. There were a lot, but the red zone efficiency was a big problem in previous regimes. And I felt like Mike Kafka has done a really good job this season, just utilizing every trait that Daniel Jones has. And obviously that wasn't a Daniel Jones play, but if you go back to like all of the RPO and like the zone read roll Jones out RPO to Daniel Bellinger. Daniel Bellinger had so many touchdowns early in the year off like things like that, getting those tight ends on the move. I just appreciate his uh, mind in the red zone. And I love the fact that he was able to get Saquon Barkley. I think he rushed him like weak side and he ended up scoring that touchdown. Little plays like that can go a long way. That's exactly right. He rushed the weak side running that weak side was the reason they were able to get that touchdown. And, you know, just, Overall, great game. I want to throw out some stats here from our boy, Doug Analytics, who put oh, out yeah. some stats. He said, just some things to throw around. Daniel Jones had an, has an average depth of target of 4.5 yards and 4.6 yards short of the sticks with three attempts and three completions of 10 plus yards. His average ADOT for the season is 6.5 yards, which is the fourth lowest of the 39 qualifying uh, quarterbacks. He said the Kayvon Thibodeau sack was recorded as the fifth, fifth, fifth fastest sack in, uh, in week 15, 2.5 seconds. His unblocked sack against Washington was 2.37 seconds. Um, yeah, so just a couple interesting Giants had a 75% win probability at halftime. Um, the biggest win probability plays, according to the numbers, the analytics, 17% was added on that Kayvon Thibodeau sack fumble. Shows you how, what kind of play he made. The Richie James fourth down stat, uh, catch, 9%, and that's the throw from Jones. And then the Ryder Anderson sack on, th- uh, on the third down, that added 6% as well. So just some interesting stats to throw around there too. That Ryder Anderson sack, that was set up by, I think it was Dexter Lawrence, right? Yes, it was Dexter Lawrence. Was, the pressure that he gets in the oh, middle, yeah. it sets up what's going on with Azizo Jolari and Kayvon Thibodeau. Like, it makes quarterbacks not feel comfortable to step up into the pocket because they know 97 is there. Remember what Aaron Rodgers said after the Packers game? He was like, dude, this guy's one of the best in the league. That's what and he hasn't dropped off at all. That's the crazy part. He's played a million snaps. They don't take him off the field because they have no depth with all the injuries. And yet, here we are, week 15, and he's playing just as good as he did when his breakout week one or two, whatever it may be. He's an unreal athlete. Yeah, He's just an unreal athlete. Like, people like think I ath- athlete as, like, you know, um, Odell Beckham Jr. Obviously, he's an unreal athlete, right? Different types of athletes. But when you're like pushing 350 and you can do the type of things that Dexter Lawrence can do, it's it's unreal. It really is. I'm so glad that he's a New York Giant. And another unsung hero in this game, by the way, I want to give some props to is Isaiah Hodgins. Again, not that many opportunities, but what happens when he gets them? Catches everything in his sight. Doesn't ever drop passes. Had that one run over the catch where he got physical. I love that at the end of the play where he kind of gave the stiff arm to the dude, like, get the hell off me. I'm stronger than you. Had the huge, huge catch to set up the Barkley touchdown in the red zone. Their only offensive touchdown possession or only offensive touchdown in this game. But that was awesome. And he's been winning on those kind of like 15 intermediate range inbreakers now lately over the last few weeks, which is a really good sign. Jones started to get confident. And that's again, like, I've always thought this that is. When you watch it, like just aesthetically pleasing wise, that's Jones's best throw by far to me. It always is like he drives that ball, that dig range that, you know, 13 to 15 in breaking just drives that thing. And that hit Isaiah Hodgins in stride with a lot of pace on that throw and literally perfect throw from a uh, timing and a ball placement standpoint as well. So love to see them figure out more ways to kind of just like attack that area of the field with Jones. That's something, again, I think you can do. And it it will, they'll have more opportunities if they can pass protect like they did. And I want to see the tape because I don't know if this is true, but it felt like me broadcast wise, the pass protection took a nice step up in this game. It definitely did. I mean, it couldn't get much lower after the Eagles game, but no, I I felt very good about the pass protect. There were a couple of plays where Evan Neal, he like had a couple of false starts and maybe surrender like a pressure early. And you're like, Oh geez. But like, I really felt like it's stabilized. And I think a lot of, there's a lot of reasons for that. As we went over the quick game, Daniel Jones, getting the football out of his hands in a, in a precise and quick manner. And also just maybe the upgrade or the addition, I should say of Ben Bredesen and keeping maybe Nick Gates fresh. I'm not really hundred percent certain, yeah, but it definitely be. seemed to have some sort of impact. We'll have to wait and check it out on the film though. A few plays I didn't love, by the way, from Feliciano in this game, one where he was driven back. I believe he couldn't, he couldn't make the, he couldn't seal off a block. Feliciano to me, we'll see what happens there, but I would definitely, if Bredesen looked as good as we might think from just this angle and you know, we'll, we'll obviously won't know until we watch it. I'm open to the idea of a Bredesen Gates combo. I know that doesn't seem like to be where this team is trending right now or tracking. Like they're just seem to be going, okay, Gates at left guard for sure. He can compete with Bredesen. We'll see what happens there. But 
I just don't love Elysian. I don't know what it is. And I just feel like the one time Gates got a chance to play center, he looked better. Yeah, you're not a big Feliciano guy. You must hate Clay no. Thompson. Clay, because he looks like him. Is that why? He does look like a, a large version of what Clay What do you Thompson. think about that, though? Do you think it should be Feliciano over Gates there if Bredesen can play full-time? No, nah, if Bredesen is better than Gates at left guard, yeah. I think Let's I would that. prefer Gates than okay. Feliciano, personally. You think, I wonder that's if we'll do that then. Okay, because that's where I'm at, too. And that's a big if, because we have to see if Bredesen is even better than Gates was, obviously, at left yeah. guard. And then you start to consider the other things, but we'll see what happens there. I think part of his communication, they like Feliciano in there. He's been communicating it all year, working with Daniel Jones. There's things that you lose if you switch it over, but Gates looked pretty good in his one chance. I want to talk about a colleague of mine, Heath Cummings, who compared this Giants team thinking there's a flashback to the 2018 Bears. He said it was an amazing turnaround with a new head coach who used to be an offensive coordinator on a juggernaut offense, a young mobile quarterback playing the best football of his career, a superb turnover ratio. And I thought those were pretty good comps there. The one thing I think is so different about this team in the Bears 2018, that Bears 2018 defense was freaking dominant. And they had three levels, right? They had Eddie yeah. Jackson on the back end. They had Roquan and the linebackers in the middle. They're really good defensive line. Akeem Hicks was like star. That was a front to back dominant defense, almost like the Jets defense of this year. This Giants team is winning games in similar ways that he brings up, but it's not quite the same because the defense isn't dominant like that. I agree with actually a lot of what he said. I will say I do think Daniel Jones is better than Mitchell Trubisky, though. That's the thing. I think they have a much yeah. better quarterback situation. But I think it's similar to what he was saying, like young mobile quarterback playing his best football. Mitch was playing by far the best of his career that year. We didn't have any year. That I still can't play. believe Stinky Mitch got drafted as high as he did after like one solid season at UNC. But creation at quarterback, man. It just uh, it is yeah. weird because like it's just like a weird eval because. Yes, I understand the desperation of quarterback and even understand like doing things based like projection based picks like someone is going to take Anthony Richardson at some point in this draft based purely on projection because he is yeah. not a quarterback right now at all. Like you'll watch him go four of 13 in games. That's the level he's at. And it, it makes sense. He literally picked it up. I think just over a year ago, he started playing quarterback. So obviously it's not going to be great yet. But with trip with Mitch, we don't have to go too far into this, but with Mitch, it's like the throwing was never there. That's the thing with Richardson. You watch him and he can have those like effortless throws on the run, insane, um, you know, arm talent throws where he's just like off platform, dropping dimes or just bombs that are like 65 inch stride. Mitch never threw the ball. Well, right? Like the ball never came out of his hand. Good. It was always awkward. The throwing motion was terrible. The mechanics were terrible. The ball placement wasn't good. There weren't like spectacular throws in his UNC game. So I don't know what tapes. I don't really know what happened there. Neither do I. No, yeah. I, I'm honestly not 100% certain why. Shout out was, John Fox, because John Fox told me he never wanted Mitch in that draft class. And he that was that the conversation I had with Fox, I shouldn't say too much more because he wanted it off record. And he's never going to listen to this. So he'll never hopefully come <laughs> back and be like, dude, you asshole. I told you to keep that off record. But the one thing I'll say, which I got a lot of insight into is GMs make the draft picks. It ain't the coaches doing this. Da, 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 da. It's the GM who has that final say, and that's his job. Like he's not going to give that to someone else. The scouts can bang the table. The coaches can yeah, say this guy fits my system best. But in the end, it's the GM making that pick. Oh, a hundred percent. But that's a recipe for disaster, especially if you're talking about yeah. making a pick of a quarterback. Like, right, where the head coach and the GM don't agree. That's not a good sign. No, that that means one of those guys is going to be fired at the end. Yes. Like that, that's, that's the uh, situation there. Yes. If you don't believe in the quarterback that the general manager is providing you, like kiss your job goodbye because you're probably going to be out the door. Let's talk about the final play of the game, the defensive pass interference call. I think you and I can both agree it's a defensive pass interference. I don't think it, you know, we weren't, I think you'd have to be just like a total homer and entirely biased to say it's not pass interference. But my whole take on that is one, like this is not even my take on it, but it is worth noting. Kayvon Thibodeau, there should have been a hands to the face called on him on that play, right? Yeah, he poked in the eye. eye. Obviously, that means a hand went into his face mask and into his face. That's a penalty. Wasn't called. Whatever. My whole thing with all this is, and I've said this earlier in the year when, when, when we've discussed this off pod or when I see people tweeting about it on Twitter, the Giants get so screwed by the refs every game. It's this and that. Every team has that, right? Like almost every team can say that every single game. But I always feel with the refs, bad calls, with fantasy, there's whenever you're talking about a game or a sport that has so much variance involved, and that when you're talking about grown men, like older dudes in their 50s and 60s, trying to keep, keep up with these 20 year olds running around at four or four, there's going to be variance to some of the calls they make from an official. Like they know the rules, but they're not going to get everything right. And so I just feel like sometimes you're the bug. Sometimes you're the windshield when it comes to the good calls and the bad calls. And that's like a poker term where sometimes you're the bug, sometimes you're the windshield. But it's true about football, too. And poker has a lot of variance. So it's similar. It's like 
they didn't they got the call tonight with the dpi sure but you know what there's been times the giants haven't gotten the calls and there's been times they have gotten and it just kind of like all comes around and in the end to me it's all pretty even across the board i really do feel that way it was a pretty obvious dpi yeah i don't think it was like was it the most egregious one you've ever seen it's very no. egregious. It's very egregious. I don't he know had his arms wrapped egregious. around him. Yeah, but then he Literally. comes off. I think a big yeah. reason why that wasn't flagged was because Darnay Holmes put his arms off. Like he hugged he did, him. But at the very least, flagged. it should be a legal contact then. Maybe not oh, DPI. I mean, but it should have been DP, it should have been DPI in my opinion. But yes, like yes. I'm watching it right now and he wraps him up. He hugs him. And then yeah. at the last second, he pulls him off, jumps with his eyes on the football, and knocks the ball down. I think because he knocked the football yes. down, they're like, okay, it's fine. But like that was and they didn't want to make a call like that in the, in that spot either. I know that's part of it too. And then that's, that was the giants. We would be complaining like crazy. Like you need to make that oh call. God. Yeah. You know, you got to make the call, but at very least, even if you're going to credit him for coming off and making the play, at least illegal contact. Cause either way you can't do the bear hug at any point without it being illegal that far down the field. I agree. But like I, I think said, Darnay getting his hands on it though. That was the reason why they didn't yeah. flag it. And again, this happened, like there's some calls that go our way that it just don't, it's not like, yeah. I don't know. I don't think that decided the game either. Anyway, to be completely honest with you, because you no. can talk about the cave on Thibodeau hands of the face, talk about all sorts of things, right? Like every game has its own random calls and bad things that go one way or another. So I don't know. A lot of people are complaining about that right now. I don't feel like that's crazy right now um, by any means. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Anything else you want to talk about before we move forward? No, I'm just, we touched on the pass rush. We touched yep. on the offensive passing attack. We touched on Saquon Barkley, touched on the offensive line, and I'm just ready to get that tape, baby. Yeah, me too. I'm ready to see it too, and it'll be fun. All right, that's all we have for tonight on the Big Blue Banter Podcast. Keep it locked and loaded. The Giants won. Things are great again. We're excited to do this week of content for sure. Good film to talk about. Good preview with the Vikings coming up. I'm excited to get to that. I really think... They can beat this Vikings team. This Vikings team stinks, man. Like it does it doesn't stink out loud. It's not a bad team, but this is not a good Viking team whatsoever right now. And I didn't see much I like. I mean, they made the comeback good for them, but we'll see what happens. I think it's a winnable game. So we'll see. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.